Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Sing 
What's going on, guys and girls? Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are listening from. Today, I have a great conversation with Kate Mangino, who is a gender expert who works with international organizations to promote positive social change. And she has written and delivered curricula in over 20 countries about issues such as gender equality, women's empowerment, healthy masculinity, and much more. And she brings her lens of social change to her debut book, Equal Partners, which is out June 28th. And today, Kate and I talk about gender equality in relationships, whether that's during dating or in established partnerships. And then we dive into gender equality in general. And I really enjoyed today's conversation. I think you guys will too. If you have kids, we talk a lot about how to talk to our kids and raise our kids in a way that they are going to appreciate gender equality and maybe not fall into traditional gender norms and things like that. But if you're listening and you're annoyed about when you date and you go and expect either yourself or the person you're on a date with to pay and everything in in between. We talk about that, what to do in those situations, and much more. It's a really important conversation today with Kate. Hope you guys enjoy it. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And if you enjoy this show, if you've listened to shows before, if this is the first show and you like it, we really appreciate those reviews in iTunes. It really helps us to continue to bring you these great episodes. I'm just right there along with you, getting this information, asking the questions, but by no means am I the expert here. I would be listening to this podcast to get the information myself if I saw it out there. So thank you guys. Enjoy today's show. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Today, we're going to talk about gender equality in relationships. And when that comes to dating, you know, even for people single, and if you're in a relationship currently, you've written a book about it. You spend a lot of time in this domain, and we haven't dedicated a whole episode to talking about it. So I'd love to start by having you Tell our listeners why this is an area you, you like to focus on, and then we'll talk about some of the things we need to think about. Fantastic. I My career is, has been in international development. I was a Peace Corps volunteer out of undergrad and have been working with nonprofit organizations my whole career and working specifically in gender. So some development projects do infrastructure, you know, building roads and that sort of thing. My piece of it has always been on social development. So working alongside health and education programs. And um, so I've always been obviously very interested in gender. And because of my work, I've had these fantastic um, opportunities to go to all different countries and talk to different people from different backgrounds. I haven't found a country that has nailed gender equality yet. Everyone is struggling. That struggle looks different from place to place. But um, I, you know, I found that I was having these really sophisticated conversations in Zambia and in Indonesia and in Nigeria. And 
when I became a parent, I realized even more how antiquated the conversations were in my own personal life. And so I think that this book project stemmed from my desire to, to really acknowledge the fact that our country is also struggling with gender inequality and uh, try to do something here with my own community. And I think that one of the things that we need to work on the most is equality in our personal lives. So yes, absolutely in a relationship between two people, but I think there's a lot of, um, there's a role for the community to play in sort of shifting expectations and norms around what it means to be a partner. Thank you for that. So let's talk about how we can take this information that you've been gathering, these conversations, and apply them through the lens of relationships. Um, obviously, we're doing that individually as well. So how do you think about these issues uh, when it comes to let's, you know, we could start with dating and then talk about a long-term committed relationship and everything in between. So first of all, in the book, and I'm going to use this in, in our conversation today, and I fully acknowledge the language is a little clunky, but if you bear with me, I'll explain why. I talk about a male role and a female role as opposed to men and women. I think that's more inclusive. I have found that a lot of times these roles are switched, that the, you know, the man is doing you know, sort of the, um, the, the, the domestic role at home and vice versa. And of course, when you have same-sex couples, oftentimes one falls into more of a domestic role and one falls into an earning role. So that's why I'll use that language while we talk. Um, it's interesting. My, my specialty is not um, in dating. There is a um, professor, I can't remember her first name, but I know her last name is Lamont. And she's written some wonderful research on sort of expectations of transitioning from dating to partnership. And when she's finding that when um, in dating men and women, when they're dating the opposite sex are still looking for these stereotypical um, attributes in each other. For example, women are still looking for men who will pay for dinner, who will sort of take the lead in the relationship, who maybe has a powerful job or who shows who's tall, who has like visible um, attributes of strength. But when committing to a relationship and wanting to partner with someone, women are looking for equality. We really want someone who is going to do half of that cognitive labor in the household, who is going to be an equal parent if we choose to have kids. And so there is a bit of a disconnect, I think, between dating and partnering. And I think that um, the best thing to do there is just talk about it and acknowledge it and have open conversations. Because I think sometimes when people have the ability to do, do a little self-reflection. It's like, oh yeah, I am falling into these gendered patterns. And I, I do want to look for someone different outside of those stereotypical gender norms. Let's talk about dating. And let's say you mentioned paying for dinner. That's like the classic kind classic. of gender <laughs> rolled thing that's going to come up, right? Uh, out of all the things. And I, as a guy... I just know my experience and I don't necessarily feel like it's my right or that I need to pay, but you kind of alluded to this. I feel that the woman may expect that. And, and that's also an assumption on my side, but I also, I tend to look at it also through a lens of like, if I invite someone to dinner, maybe it's like, well, I, I'm going to pay. I, I extended it, but obviously there's all kinds of different scenarios, but let's say it's a date and 
we want to fall out of that gender norm. To me, the most the thing that makes most sense to me is to split it. It's like I'll pay for mine. Yeah. That that makes logical sense, but that's not the expectation, I think, as you said. So what could that conversation be like? Let's say a first date even. It makes me feel a little awkward even just thinking about it, right? Like how how can we have that conversation? As if first dates aren't awkward enough, right? right. To add something even more to it. So I so what I found in my research is that there is a, a, a big disconnect between what we value and what our behavior is. So, you know, Pew, I think the last one was in 2020, did a, um, uh, a survey with, with Americans and found that 79% of Americans say that they value gender equality. This is something that they actually think is important. That's a huge percentage of the population. And it's a very, it's a very popular, um, issue, right? Where a lot of people can come together on. When you look at the data about how people behave in the household, once they are partnered, because we see that um, people in a female role tend to do twice as much work in the home as people in the male role, you see that there's a disconnect between what our values are and what our behavior is. So if you're in a first date and you're sitting down at a restaurant, you know, I would I can see how some people would laugh at this, but I would say something to the effect of, you know, gender equality is really important to me. And I'm always trying to find ways to, to live my values. And so can we talk about that? Like, what is that? What do you think that looks like in terms of, is it okay if we split, if we go every other date, what are your thoughts? Um, I think that, you know, a, a man could posit that idea. And I could totally see that girl rolling her eyes and thinking that was excuse to get out of paying. But, you know, having that conversation, sometimes there's going to be awkward moments and misunderstandings because we live in a gendered world and it's just going to take some time to move out of that. So I still think it's a great conversation to have. I think anyone could bring it to the table. Um, and then it's out in the open. And then it's not this awkward thing we're dancing around. It's something that you've actually talked about and made a decision. And I like the practical tip of, well, you weren't intending to, but like, hey, I'll get this one, you get the next one. It's also that somehow it feels equitable, but also like I'm not trying to get out of <laughs> paying right. for and dinner. And dine you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and because, I mean, we don't have to get into it. We've talked about it on uh, previous episodes, but people's relationship with money is a whole other thing uh, in psychology. And obviously we're talking about gender, but, but that comes in too, you know, of like, all right, you know, just power and money and their own personal relationships, what it feels like to have someone pay for you. Maybe that feels good or that feels like they have power over me, all this stuff. Or a guy can be emasculating because of everything there. I'm a man, I'm supposed to, why is she offering? So lots of layers there. Learn a lot by having that conversation early on and kind of peel back those layers a little bit. Because you're right. I think that there's a lot of learned behavior and expectations that are behind who pays the bill. And I don't know, it could it could go, it could be quite awkward, let's be honest, but it could also end really well where you think, oh, now we've got that out of the way and we can just focus on getting to know each other. And that's a great way to get to know someone, right? Is like, you're going to learn a lot about their views. You know, if they're like, well, the man is supposed to pay. What do you mean? It's like, huh, maybe. <laughs> why, why do you think that? Like, right. let's talk about that. And that leads me to, you know, something else that I, I like to bring up with people is that if you truly want, and I, and I really believe that the, 
the most, um, the people who really need to be having this conversation are, are people who are just partnering. And it could be your first relationship or your 10th relationship. But when you're forming those new fresh patterns with a new partner and someone you're newly committed to, you're already making all these changes to bring two lives together as one new life. This is the perfect time to also talk about gender roles. It's not impossible later on, but it gets harder. And so I'm really excited that we've started this conversation around dating And a lot of what I heard when I was doing my research is um, that it needs to be a conversation that doesn't happen once. It needs to come up a lot (laughs) and it needs to be an intentional conversation Um, that if I had several women I interviewed who said, you know, back when he was my boyfriend, he told me he was a feminist and he told me that my work was important. And we left it at that. And then, you know, fast forward 10 years, they've got two kids. She's the cognitive laborer. She's not able to move forward in her profession. She's angry. She's resentful because that one conversation wasn't enough. You know, we need to really um, get down in more nitty gritty issues. And in my book, I offer lots of questions and conversation points for people who are partnering to sort of have those deeper conversations. And as you mentioned, peel back the layers. Let's talk about someone listening who's in a committed relationship and they weren't able to ask those questions early on. And now they're realizing they're in gender roles that they don't really feel good about, like like the example of the, the woman you said who's trying to advance her career, you know, two kids and, and a husband who expects her to do that, you know, and, and handle everything. What are those conversations like? How can someone approach that? Those are hard conversations. I'm not going to lie about that. So in an ideal world, it's the person. So if you have any listeners out there who who are reflecting on their own relationship and they're like, oh, I'm the one who's doing less. That person who I'm partnered to, who I'm married with, um, they're doing more. And and now that I hear this, I realize they're doing more because um, I just assumed that that's what she should do because she's a woman or that that's the right thing to do. Ideally, I would love that person to raise the issue because when you're when you start the conversation, assuming that the person doing the female role is going to initiate it, it's just adding more work to her load. And it seems unfair to give her another task. So in an ideal world, um, I would hope that the person doing less would kind of start to realize that from the conversation that are that we're having culturally right now, especially post pandemic, it's kind of out in the open, we've had much more honest conversations about household roles. But that's not always going to happen. So if you are the cognitive labor in your home, if you are the one who's doing more work, if you are feeling overburdened, underappreciated, and starting to feel resentful, I like to suggest that you start the conversation and take it out of the two of you and put it in sort of cultural gender norms. So to say, you're not a bad person and I'm not a bad person. And we obviously have a lot in common because we're together and we care about each other, but we are both, we were both raised in a gendered society. You were raised to have different values and expectations as a man. I was raised to have different values and expectations as a woman. And now we're falling into these stereotypical roles and I'm frustrated. So let me share with you the things that I feel I'm limited on. Right. And then 
And I had this conversation. I had this exact conversation with my partner. This was years ago. I was finishing my PhD, which is on the intersection of women's empowerment and masculinity. So it's this exact topic that I was researching. And I kind of had this breakdown moment. Um, we were very good about being equal partners during the birth of our first child. And then in the birth of our second child, it just all fell apart. And we totally reverted back into gendered roles. And I just thought, I'm not going to finish this dissertation with what I have to do at home. And I remember sitting on my kitchen floor and just weeping. And my, my husband, Evan, kept saying, I'm so sorry. He felt horrible. I'm so sorry. What can I do to help? And that's when I got really angry. And I said, I don't want you to help. That's just it. Assigning you tasks is more work for me. I want you to be my partner. And I said, and you see how frustrated I am right now. But I I said, I see you suffering too. You're suffering because you're working more and you're focused more on professional ambition. And I see you pulling away from the kids. I see those relationships strained. I see that you're spending less hours with them when they're little. I said, we're both suffering just in different ways. My suffering is a little more obvious, but I think both of us are suffering because we're falling into these gender roles. And what can we do to get both of us out of it? And then it was, it wasn't about, I need to do more for you. It was what we both need to do to help both of us. And I think that was, I mean, I just happened to be married to someone who, um, was open to that conversation and it has taken years and we're still working through it. But I think that conversation is probably more likely to get results than these are all the things you're doing wrong. These are all the things that I'm upset about. We need to change or else I'm leaving. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Money is one of the biggest stressors in relationships. While worrying about it doesn't help a ton, Earnin actually does. Our sponsor, Earnin, is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Many couples end up fighting about finances, especially when surprise costs arise. Earnin allows you to seamlessly deal with that unexpected trip to the vet or the last minute gift for loved ones without any stress, letting you and your partner focus on what really matters. Earnin is helping millions of Americans to feel self-sufficient and to worry and fight less about money. All of this without debt trap, mandatory fees, or credit checks. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download Earnin app, type in relationship advice under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. That's relationship advice under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that 
bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving relationship advice listeners 10% off when you visit Hero. Dot co and use the code I do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing. And they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie. Their white bread is so good and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family and we all walked to the lake and the only bread we had in the house was hero bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any hero bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H E R O dot C O. I just recorded a podcast yesterday on communication and it's obviously so key, but you know, what you kept saying was interesting in an ideal world, it's the partner doing less and, and obviously you recognize, and unfortunately most of the time, well, I don't want to say most of the time, but I feel like <laughs> things are usually less than ideal and that resentment might be building and someone listening to this is like, yeah, Ideally, my partner would bring this conversation up and they're not. I'm becoming resentful. And that's where the episode on uh, any of our episodes on communication. But yesterday we talked about, you know, identifying our emotions and communicating our needs, as you as you said. And so instead of letting that resentment build to a boiling point and then there's a huge fight or you just it starts to just degrade the relationship, you know, it's like, hey, I, I feel like I'm carrying the load and I feel I've been waiting for you to to say something and I want to have a conversation around that and I feel tired and 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 I want to connect with you and uh let can we talk about this, you know, and instead of ideally, you know, someone does bring it up. Throw it out there. You never yes. know. You might have a few listeners who are gonna respond and it has to start somewhere. Yes. Um, but but I agree with you that the more uh, typical, I think, conversation is going to come from the person who is feeling the burden on their shoulders. For sure. And, you know, it's so interesting, this PhD that you're working on, there's obviously, as as you know, so much there in gender and, as you said, in the intersection of gender and, and masculinity. And as a guy, it's been 
really interesting having conversations with my female friends these last months. And it's really tricky. <laughs> it's interesting. So I want, I want to talk a little bit about that. We can go back into roles, but but this is roles. Like how, how can we have conversations with women, with our female partners about this? And I find I'm interested in it. I'm interested in, in women's equality and, and I, I want that. But I feel sometimes just the fact that I am a male, everything, it, it kind of can get colored like, well, you don't get it. Like as much as you try to get it, you don't because you're not experiencing that. So I, I've tried to really listen and be objective. But can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And it sounds like you're doing the right things. And I don't think it is. I think being an ally, um, I mean, I'm I'm white and I like to think of myself as a an ally to people of color. And I work on being anti-racist. And I understand that being white, there's so many racist things that I don't see. Right. And so you have to intentionally work on seeing and know that you're going to make mistakes and know that you're going to miss things. And you just keep working at it because it's the right thing to do. I think it's the same thing in gender. Men are raised to not see issues that women deal with day in and day out. And I think that it's just about a practice of intentionality of listening and trying to see. And when you don't understand something, ask um, and be prepared that it, it might be uncomfortable or confusing or go poorly once in a while. But um, I think that's the only true way to be an ally. Related to this, you know, one of the things that I've had conversations around with multiple female friends these last months is just the difficulty in in moving through the world as a single woman in relation to just for lack of of a better description like just creepy guys and in unwarranted looks and comments and touch and it's very frustrating for me to hear those things i hate that and i hated hearing that you know before i had a daughter and now i have a 6 year old daughter I don't need that as a reason to not like it, but it's just another layer of like, man, come on guys, like get your shit yeah. together. And and so I started thinking and having the conversations with the women about that and how that can change. And to me, and I'd like to hear your opinion, but to me, it was like, we got to educate men, but particularly young men and the next generation in that are then going to have sons because it's like this thing where I have a mechanic here who he's super old school. You know, I live in Costa Rica. There's the whole machismo culture and I don't know him well, but I know that he's probably a bit misogynistic in the sense of like that whole machismo culture. And he tells me he has six sons. <laughs> The other day I found out and the, I immediately was like, oh, God, now there's six more of you because you're modeling this. And so yeah. to me, it starts with what is being taught to these young men. So anyways, as a, as a man and as a woman, from your perspective, like what could I do to besides listening to these women and their stories and talking to my friends and saying like, hey, no, it's not OK 
to ask a girl out six times when she told you no the first time. Like, leave her alone. That was something my female friend had told me. This guy kept asking her out. And that it seems minor, but that's not minor. It's like, that's leave her alone. Yeah. Right. She um, said no. So I'm going on and on. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is like fantastic that you're thinking all these things. I think that, um, so first of all, what can you do? I think that we all need to push back when given the opportunity in the various spaces that we're in. So those female friends of yours are rarely going to be in a group of all men. It's just, it doesn't happen socially very often, right? They're probably never going to be in a men's locker room. They're probably, there's just places that are, they're unlikely to be simply because you're following social patterns of being a woman. So when you hear that, you know, if you hear, um, if you're out for, you know, dinner with, with male friends, or if you're with colleagues, you know, and there's a panel being put together and it's four men on a panel, be the one to say, no, this doesn't feel right. You know, there's plenty of female experts in this space. Why don't we bring in some women here. So this is more balanced. Or if you hear a guy make a joke that's inappropriate, be the one that says, that's not funny anymore. That's, that just sounds like, um, a me too incident, you know, could it's 2022. Could we think about that? And in my book, I, so the, the bulk of my book comes from the fact that I, I found these, I found, I identified 40 men. I call them the EP 40, equal partners, 40, 40 men who are living as equal partners, 30 are fathers and 10 don't have kids, but all 40 are partnered. Um, and they all do half the physical and cognitive labor in their household. And I interviewed these men, I got to know them and I sort of wove their stories together to figure out where they came from. They don't represent our current population in any way, shape, or form. They are, it's aspirational masculinity. It's like where we want to be in 10 years. And a lot of them told me about how they had to push back against friends. One guy told me, um, had a great story. Um, he was out with his, it was like a Thursday night group, his high school friends. He'd been doing it for like 10 years since high school graduation. It was just something everyone did. You meet out, you go have beers. But he said it was getting raunchier and raunchier. The conversation made him uncomfortable. And there was one Thursday where one of his friends made some really crude comments to the waitress, the server. Sorry, I shouldn't use that word. And and she left and he said, guys, that's not cool. Like, why would you say that? She's, I think you made her uncomfortable. So when the server came back, the guy said, hey, my friend's lame and thinks that you are uncomfortable. You're not uncomfortable, are you? So he even like re-traumatized the situation. Right? And he said, that day I stopped. I stopped going to that Thursday night group. I just, I tried. I didn't have an ally at that table. No one else agreed with me. I realized these guys were totally different than me. I have since made new friends. I hang out with different people on Thursday night. I had to remove myself from the situation. So what you can do when you're in a situation where you hear it, push back. And if it's a chronic situation where you don't think you're going to make any headway, remove yourself from it. And I think that's also a really strong statement. Like I just, I'm not comfortable being part of this and we can get into the raising boys issue. Cause I think that's a huge part of this. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. 
If you're tuning into today's show, you're probably aware that mental health and relationship challenges are a part of life, but they don't have to define you and you're not alone. If you've ever wished that you could join a conversation with an expert and call into a show in a similar vein as relationship advice, here's an opportunity for you. If you're navigating something messy, call the Dr. John Deloney Show. His show recently hit top five of all podcasts on Apple Podcasts and for a good reason. With a PhD in counseling and two decades of experience sitting with people, Dr. Deloney brings practical advice on how to connect with others, face depression, overcome anxiety, and find true wellness. This caller-driven show tackles real-life issues from relationships to emotional well-being. Dr. Deloney walks alongside people just like you as they navigate tough decisions. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Send your questions, leave a voicemail at 844-693-3291 or email askjohn at ramseysolutions.com. They want to talk to you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on our website. Hey, Love Tribe. I have just a few questions for you. I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Thank you for that. And yeah, that example you give is like the current present things that can be done, but for the future and that can have an impact. And I believe people can change, but I think it's really hard to take a 45 year old man who had a dad who was misogynistic, who has had friends who have made comments and then have him come to some revelation that everything he's doing is wrong. It's certainly not a lost cause, but I think the real change is how we parent the young boys and continue to change the culture. So yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? I totally agree with you. And and we have data to show the same thing, that it's just um, people who are set in their ways or it's harder, it's harder for them to change. And so I do think focusing on younger generations is, is a great approach. So um, I do love talking to Gen Z and I love talking to younger um, kids. My, I have a, they just had birthdays. Eight and 11 are how old my kids are. I have an 11-year-old daughter and a 
eight-year-old son. And we talk about gender pointedly and consistently in our household. But I don't think that your your colleague or your your neighbor with the six boys, they're not a lost cause either. What I did learn in interviewing my 40, my EP40 for the book. A lot of those men actually came from very misogynist households. Several of them came from violence households. Um, a quarter of them came from single mother households. There was a huge, I think only one or two of all 40 actually came from a household that role modeled the behavior that they are perpetuating. So 38 of them made a huge change. And when you asked, you know, when I, when I was digging into sort of what was their inspiration and when did that change happen? It came from all different places. It came, you know, it was like the uncle that they got to see for a week every summer. And they realized like how, what a great relationship his uncle had with his aunt. And he loved the way that his uncle treated him with respect. And so he just made, you know, decided in his mind, like, I want to be more like my uncle than my dad. Um, other, I had one man talk about a camp counselor who was only part of his life for one summer, had a huge impact. Sometimes it was neighbors or um, a mom's boyfriend that was around for a few years, had a huge impact. So what that tells me is that we all have the opportunity to have impact on boys and kids. And you never really know who's watching and who's going to take that to heart. So just role modeling, you know, um, love and authenticity and allowing boys to be who they are, you know, encouraging them to follow all different parts of themselves and not to dismiss um, things as being too girly or too feminine and, and really encouraging boys to have a broad range of friends and activities. You know, whether you're a parent of a boy yourself or you're a grandparent or you're an aunt or an uncle or a friend, I think all of us have more power than we realize in influencing the next generation. I love that. It's very hopeful. The story of the 38, that they didn't come from perfect models in their household. So they're not lost causes there. And yeah, you never know. Having a six-year-old daughter definitely try to insert, you know, positive gender ideas with her. I shouldn't say it like that, not insert anything, but have her more open, you know, because I think kids are, they're open, like they're blank slate and they don't have all these cultural things. So, so I actually want to backtrack, trying not to insert those things and, and let her move through the world, how she feels most comfortable in a sense. But what are some things that I could talk to her about preemptively before maybe she experiences it? Unfortunately, I think she's probably experienced more than we realize because, you know, kids are sponges for messaging from advertisements and TV and cartoons and conversations. So by six, you've already, you, you, you've just been able to hear a lot of different opinions already, and you're already starting to absorb those social norms. What I try to do is counter what society is going to teach. So Society is always going to teach girls to be kind, to be more complacent, to be thoughtful, to be good friends, to talk things out. So, you know, encouraging girls to be rambunctious and dirty and active and to help her find that other side of her. And then I think and I honestly believe that culturally the last 10, 20 years, we've done a great job in changing how we raise girls. I think the books that are available for young girls um, are different than they were 20 years ago. I think that schools have changed and, and 
teaching has changed and we're, we're seeing um, a real uh, genesis and sort of this way that we treat girls and young women, but I don't see a big change in the way we're raising boys. And so we raise these women to be strong and independent and you can do anything. And then if they happen to be attracted to men and they partner with a man in their twenties or thirties, all of a sudden they're sorely disappointed because they're like, wait, this person expects me to, he's okay with me having a career as long as I'm still cooking dinner every night and doing the laundry and keeping the house tidy. And that's not how I was raised. So I think what we need to do is really work with boys to be comfortable with strong women, to be comfortable with women in leadership roles, to be okay with their own vulnerability and to have a very wide definition of masculinity. Yes, masculinity could be the star football player and masculinity could also be someone who's really in touch with their own feelings. Um, So as, you know, as your daughter grows up and she has male friends or, you know, bringing home, I just think that's something else we can do is just nurture friendships. Not, I think that, um, I just heard this um, recently. Um, I'm trying to remember where it was, but oh, I, it was a friend, and it was a it was a it was a gathering on like a Friday night, and there was a high school boy who was there who came with a female friend, and some of the older guys were teasing him, like, "Oh, who's your girlfriend?" You know, why does it always have to be about sex? <laughs> you know, let's encourage our kids to have relationships of all kinds with all different people with all different genders and it doesn't always have to be sexual or romantic or physical in fact a lot of the one of my findings from the ep40 is that having close female friends growing up really helped them be allies and helped them see gender issues that a lot of other guys didn't see so that's another thing you know just be um, encouraging of uh, non-romantic friendships and, um, let kids sort of figure it out themselves, as you mentioned. I love that. And I could talk for hours on this because there's so many different angles, as you know, you're doing a doctorate in it, but I think it's, it's super important. And we've laid a great foundation for our listeners to, to think about these things as it comes to their personal lives and their relationships. So before we wrap up, are there any things that you want to emphasize or maybe something we didn't go over as it relates to gender and then we'll say goodbye. Um, I would just close again with this idea that gender equality in the home, I think it needs to leave the nuclear family. I think for a long time, we focused this conversation on, on small households and um, this is a much bigger problem than any one of us individually. This is an intergenerational problem and and it's going to take all of us to fight our way out of it. So whether you are single or partnered, kids or no kids, maybe you're a grandparent or a friend or an aunt or an uncle, I think there's a role for everyone. And so I would hope that whoever your listener is, um, if you're interested in gender equality, if you're interested in living gender equality, Uh, no one gets a pass. We all have work to do. Excellent. Well, thank you, Kate. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you online a little bit about your book and then we'll say goodbye. Thank you. So I'm active on Twitter at Mangino Kate. My website, um, katemangino.com has all of my um, book launch events if you're interested in hearing more. And the book is um, for sale on June 28th. I don't know when this is going to post, but it will be in your favorite store or 
uh, bookstore or your online ordering is audible, um, you know, download electronic version so you can get it from your favorite bookseller. Excellent. Thank you. And we'll have the links in our show notes and on our website, idopodcast.com. And yes, I believe if you're listening to this, it will be out in about a week. And depending on if you listen to it the day it comes out or in three years, go get it. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Kate. Thanks for your time today. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, And while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge... We really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.